Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about lots of stuff, actually, today. Matt, how are you? I'm good. I mean, we're mostly going to talk about The Simpsons, but, uh, you know, I'm sure people have other questions. Yeah, there's there's occasional. There's other some of the variety in here. Uh, mostly Simpsons, but there's some there's some other stuff in there, too. Um, this is our holiday mailbag episode. Um, we're not so we can, you know, take a week off or so from the joys of season 11 and go spend time with each other and our the families joys. Oy. the joys um but this will be questions you guys sent in i solicited questions these are the questions i got plus some uh my favorite episode submissions for episodes we may have missed from certain people either they weren't listening or i lost their submissions it's also i am not a perfect man i i do not claim to be um, oh we know Robbie. we know hey you're supposed to you're not that's not how you okay uh but that's what this episode is no no more no less um let's just jump right into it matt you ready ready okay first from izzy they the the simpsons they they sit down and watch a lot of crappy movies and tv what is one thing that they watch that would make a good spin-off episode example do you want to see admiral baby take the fleet to candy island god no um hmm. honestly i would watch an entire series of chore mcclure infomercials Obviously, that can't happen now that Phil Hartman is gone, but yeah. What is the – it's the hilarious contraption of Horatio blah, 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 blah? Huffnagel. Huffnagel. Yes, that, that, that movie. I want that. That's what I want to see. I want oh, to see – Speaking of that, I uh, uh, I think it would be really interesting to actually see the McBain movies. Yeah, McBain movies would be great. I think they should just do – I'm honestly surprised they have not made a McBain episode. They just make an episode that is just McBain. And you could, I mean, you could start it off with The Simpsons watching it, and then you cut and you show the whole, you do an abbreviated movie, basically, and then it ends with them making a smart, you know, a smart whatever comment about the, the thing they just watched. But I have no idea. Like, the fact that it seems like Latter-day Simpsons are often stretching for ideas, why would you not try and mine? Why would you not make a radioactive dude, radioactive man? With Why would you not make that? Why would you not? do a McBain. Why would you not make a, tr- I mean, you can't do Troy McClure anymore, unfortunately, sadly, but yeah. make well, a night boat. You know, Why have we seen a night boat? Night boat. Oh God. I was going to say, uh, it'd be really interesting to have the Simpsons do like a mystery theater 3000 episode where they're watching a McBain movie. So that's a great idea, Matt. And maybe <laughs> they sh- it'd be really, yeah. it'd be really easy for the voice actors too. They just sit there and go, yeah, yeah look it, at that. And you just have their silhouettes. Yeah. And like, you can even, I don't know, Still, I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if the Simpsons, the, they, it would have to be, you'd have to write it. You know, I think Mystery Science Theater is, uh, Day 3K is usually improv largely, but yeah, I, I don't know. You could almost like just tell the, the voice actors, Hey, get in character. And then we're going to show you this McBain movie and you guys just comment on it. Just say, <laughs> just say whatever you feel like. Um, yeah. In real life, I don't know if I'd actually want to see. I don't know. I'd see McBain in real life. I'd like to see actually see McBain. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, it's an action movie. Can't be that bad. Uh, next question from D. How much are you dreading watching the rest of these seasons as the show devolves into a muck of sadness and disgrace? Well, to be fair, I'm pretty sure either season eleven or season twelve is the is the nadir. It is the lowest of the low points. I mean, the show will never, ever get back to where it was in like seasons you know, four through eight. 
but I feel like it does get to a point where most of the episodes are pretty decent in like the late teens, early twenties, and then just kind of levels out to a pretty much where we are now. Yeah, it it's really I do I don't I'm not enjoying this these seasons. I don't I don't like doing these episodes. I don't like pointing out all the bad things they do and how they have not even a semblance of plot or structure or story and the comedy itself isn't even that good i think most of the time to make up for it yeah but it will get better and i don't know like it's never going to be great again like matt said but that's a different question um but i do think I I I'm not enjoyed. I will make it very clear. I've not enjoyed season eleven, and I don't think I'm gonna enjoy season twelve. And that will lead us into our next question from Teresa. What are your initial thoughts of seasons twelve and thirteen? Uh I, go ahead, Matt. I was gonna say I, I remember them as being slightly better than season eleven, but there are still some really, really bad episodes in there. I mean, isn't isn't the uh the Africa episode coming up? It is in season that's in season twelve. Oh God. the your favorite the computer wore menace shoes i know you love that one matt <laughs> maybe if i watched the prisoner i would enjoy that more i think you honestly would uh i even though i haven't watched that episode since i watched the prisoner so i have no idea honestly uh there's i'm going to praise land is in here um in season honestly 12. there are some some decent episodes in here i mean in season 12 we've got tale of two springfields which is decent not great uh lisa the tree hugger which i enjoyed uh, Homer, H-O-M-R, which I thought was a great episode. Um, let me see what else was. Hungry Hunger Homer, good episode. Trilogy of Error, also pretty good. And then you also have Skinner's Sense of Snow, which just I don't understand at best. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You don't like you don't like Skinner's? Uh... I, I can't say that I do. Also, Sweets and Sour Marge, that episode just confounds me to this day i like why is this episode this is the weirdest thing i hey, i steamed some limes <laughs> uh there's also um the scream of pillar episode that's in season 13 oh boy yeah um season 12 is all the the last full scully year season so i'm glad that will when like and there are like homer homr i think is a really good episode i'm not i just think to call it great because i feel like all these episodes i remember all are all slightly worse than how i remember them at, at, yeah. at best but there's still good episodes in there and there's good episodes in season 11 it's just there's so like there's a a recent um twitter posts going around of uh i think it's a comedy writer who wrote he watched all the simpsons and rated them himself and then made a little infographic about it which i thought was very funny but he's like he, and there's like little little uh little notes about different parts of the show over the years and he's like there at a certain point he quoted it at season 12 i think where he says or season 13, where the Simpsons stopped making just bad Simpsons episodes and they started making bad television. Um, I That's what... I mean, I think I disagree. I think it starts in season 11. There's bad television in here. It's simply not oh, yeah. bad Simpsons. It's bad television. And that's the hardest part. It's not... It's watching... Like, we were, were so... It's not even been that long. It's been a few seasons and the show has, has fallen from the best there is too bad like worse than the the uh, a like worse than king and queens i make i make that comparison a lot because that is like replacement level sitcom 
I'd rather watch King of Queens 100% of the time more than kill the alligator and run in those types of episodes. They're so bad. But there are still episodes in here that I'm, like, curious about. And I think that's what really is driving me through, getting me through these, 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 the worst. Because Matt is right. The show gets better. It's not, like, great ever again. But at least, like, the bad episodes are not unbelievably horrid. Yeah, they're, they're generally, they're just kind of mediocre, which... I can deal with it makes it makes for less exciting podcasts I think because it's harder to kind of criticize things that are just kind of eh but I would it's much easier to watch them than it is to watch the worst the show has to offer but luckily that's true go ahead I'll say luckily there is an a finite this is finite there's a, a limited amount of episodes we have to get through before we get to the Al Jean years again and then it's a, a slightly better semblance of a show that's true. Uh, sorry, what I was trying to say is that um, the episodes get to the point where they are today, where the episodes aren't bad or painful. They're some of them are bad, but they're not painful to watch. And really, the main thing we have to talk about is how could this have been better? And you know that changes per episode. Sometimes they could be funnier. Sometimes they could be more heartfelt. Sometimes the plots just don't make sense. But you know they don't hurt us to watch, like you know Missionary Impossible. Yeah, Missionary Impossible. Whew, okay. Um. We have our, this is a, a, a my favorite episode submission from John. Uh, hi, Robbie and Matt. Hope you're both well. First of all, I want to thank you both for the podcast. You guys are solely responsible for making Monday mornings at work bearable. Thank you very much. My favorite episode is Lisa on Ice, as the episode captures the relationship I had with my sister at that age. Bart and Lisa are both written perfectly, with a mixture of competitiveness, jealousy, and anger for the majority of the episode, eventually overtaken by love and admiration in the finale, despite the rising stakes. Homer is a major source of laughs in this episode, putting sporting success above all else. Competitive violence, that's why you're here! Uh, The winner will be showered with praise, the loser will be taunted and booed until my throat is sore! I'm big on episode that utilizes Springfield. Every character seems to get some quality moments and not a moment is wasted. Kent Brockman jumping into frame for action news at the start sets the tone of the episode. Skinner almost publicly shaming students for failing classes. Wiggum betting against his team and releasing prisoners to watch the game. Apu disregarding Millhouse's welfare despite not being able to stand and having his front teeth knocked out. Moe's de- desperation to not have his thumbs taken. Blanche, you gotta help me. I'm 64 grand in the hole. They're gonna take my thumbs. Season six is able to excel at this. Bart's comment springs to mind, but I think Lisa on Ice is more of a relatable episode. This episode is chock full of funny moments. Mr. Honey Bunny, Monster Island, Marge's Shack Attack. I love Marge's Shack Attack. <laughs> Bart answering every question. Shack attack. Bart answering every question wrong in class, and Homer and the pie. Episode has it all. It definitely deserves to be higher than number 30 on your list at the time of writing. Oh, 39 is pretty good, frankly. Yeah, and it's right. That's like top two seasons worth of episodes, almost. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you discount the first season, everything's been twenty four, twenty three episodes. Um, well, thank you for your submission, John. Uh, next is a question from Seb. If you were tasked with coming up with an entirely new character who'd become a permanent fixture in the show, a high priority supporting character like Abe or Mister Burns, who would you invent, and how would you integrate them into Springfield, and who would voice them? That's a darn good question. That is a very good question. I think I think everyone can agree, and this is fantasy booking. If this is fantasy booking, I can have anyone I want. I think we all can agree that the hole the 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 hole that Phil Hartman left in the show is is giant. Um, he just with two roles basically he made the show bigger and funnier and better. And I would say one I pick Albert Brooks. Oh God. 
I, I can pick anybody. I, Albert Brooks would not agree to this. I don't think Albert Brooks would not agree to be a a, a relatively re- often recurring cast member. I think he's happy doing a guest appearance one every, every once every eight years or something. But I would pick Albert Brooks, and I you ha- I think I would try and fulfill similar. I give him. Th- like three, two to three characters. He's able, I think he is, he's able to carry two to three characters like Phil Hartman could. And I want them to fulfill similar roles. Not, you know, I don't want them to be necessarily the, the similar characters. Even I just want them to have similar roles in the family, like in, in, in episodes, because when you think about what Lionel Hutz was, what was Lionel Hutz? He was at first just a shady lawyer, which we all can kind of, we, everyone who grew up, or anywhere knew of a shady lawyer in their area and and he ended up just filling in whenever they needed that kind of slimy kind of shady but still kind of charming in a weird way and he kind of reflected that small town that springfield is and i think that's what for one of those roles i would pick someone who is who is that who is like a small, like I would honestly like I. How about like a cop, a n- another cop on the force? That's what I was thinking about too. Give me a fourth <laughs> cop that is kind of a maybe bumbling but more well-meaning than Wiggum. Maybe someone who is who's counteracts Wiggum, like a Smithers to Wiggum, kind of maybe. I don't know. But maybe, or it doesn't have to be a police officer, maybe like a firefighter or someone who feels like a kind of utilitarian role in the town. And and, and you start them, you bring them in with that, the first episode being focusing around them in their new job. But then after that, they kind of segue, segue them out into, you know, them just being a recurring cast member that does whatever. Um, and, you know, with Troy McClure. He is like he represents Hollywood in a certain way, represents like washed up Hollywood. And, you know, they they kind of use Krusty in that same way, too. But I think when when Lionel when uh, Troy McClure was around, it was a little bit easier on Krusty because Krusty is like always the fill in for Hollywood now after after basically after Phil Hartman passes. That's true. Yeah. And I think it's better to have Krusty get a little bit more room to himself. He can be just exact. He can be like kind of the local figure instead of like this having to fill in for all Hollywood tropes. Um, I don't know what, I don't know, like another, another member would be, but I think Albert Brooks is so talented and so, so good at, he's so good in the show and the few appearances he makes. And I don't think these characters would have to be, they, they make such like an impact. And I think that's a thing we've discussed, like the show, why it went downhill is because they never hired new people. They, they never, they, all they did was get the, make the same people do different voices and they never, like, you had Duffman and Gill and Lindsay Nagel and they're not quite the same. They're fine. They're, they're not quite the same. They don't have that same level of personality that, that, uh, like Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz ever did, but I would, our Brooks, Matt, are you, are you, are you done? I'm done. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Hey, you, you ask me questions like this. I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk. That's true. Uh, I feel like The Simpsons, uh, one, needs a, a, a couple of things. Uh, the first one is I would really like to see a new neighbor in the vein of what Flanders was originally intended to be. Someone who made a little bit more money than The Simpsons, who was a really nice guy, but always had things a little bit better than them. Uh, and that can cause a lot of conflict in a small town, especially when The Simpsons, as they were originally envisioned, were like a lower middle class family who really didn't have a lot. And, you know, sometimes things can get pretty dire 
uh, having someone like that to be the occasional antagonist, but you know, when it comes down to it, to be a friend is 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 something they could really play with. I again, I don't really have any ideas about who could voice them or whatever, um, but you know, just something like that. And the other thing is, I feel like The Simpsons need a new villain, um, someone like Mr. Burns, but in I don't want to say an industry, but in in some kind of function that would be allowed to be villainous. Like my uh, idea is a, a car salesman, someone who owns a car dealership. They always make for really good villains in small towns because they usually make a lot of money and they're usually jerks. It's just the way it's worked out in my experience. So I feel like having a character like that that could push back against the Simpsons uh, on a city level, you know, nothing crazy, but like, oh, you know, they're opening up a new thing here and, you know, Lisa doesn't like that and she has to clash with that kind of person. Something like that. Like the smarmy developers from Lisa the Skeptic, something like them, but on a more, you know, consistent level, like the kind of person who always pops up in situations like that to cause friction with them. I think that could be an interesting and, you know, well-developed role over time. I would say you could even make the neighbor a villain. A you low, could, yeah. A, low, a low-level villain. I would also another voice, Andy Daly. I, 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 I think I've said that his name before, and I think he is this generation. He is the next generation. Phil Hartman. He is that kind of every, that insidious everyman. <laughs> um, and I think he would do a great job in fulfilling a similar role. And you could have a neighbor. I would say even make the neighbor like I. This is also fantasy because I don't think the Simpsons are capable of doing this anymore. Uh, but capable of you considering homer and marge are still in their 30s they are millennials technically yeah wow which makes no sense but sure i i think this if you're doing this you're basically starting the show over you're rebooting the show and which i don't think is necessarily a bad idea i mean you i think you could with the right writing cat writing um team and the right direction you could do this um you make them you make the millennials and you make uh, the new neighbors, you make them baby boomers and you have the generational divide there. Ooh. And that's, that fuels a lot more stories. It, it you know, and you have, you have that and you could, you could have Burns at retire. Like you could, it refresh the cast a little bit, I guess is the way like you have Burns quit. You could have, or Burns just be a, you know, a background character and you could still keep those, all the original cast members around and still do voices, but they just, you could have new characters or something like that, but that's not going to happen. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay, Matt. Yeah. This is a, a tough question. Duffman versus radioactive man versus McBain in a fight to the death. Who wins? In a fight to the death. Wow. Well, I mean, radioactive man has superpowers. So, you know, I mean, neither of those other two guys are like Batman. They're prepared for everything. So I'm pretty sure Radioactive Man's going to win. Okay, well, let me let me give you this. What if Duffman and McBain immediately recognize the fact that Radioactive Man has them has more ability? What? Okay, they get they get a month to prepare for the fight. I mean, I, I don't think Duffman's going to do much besides strength, but sure, McBain might. But that's what I'm saying. What if you you say, hey? You guys are going to be fighting off in a, in a month. I don't think Radioactive Man does anything to prepare because he doesn't need to, he thinks. Right. But McBain, I don't know if Duffman, Duffman's a wild card because I, I think Duffman might be like, Duffman and McBain, I think Duffman would go to McBain and say, hey, we should team up. Or Duffman would go to Radioactive Man and appeal to his heroism and say, please don't kill me. I'll help fight McBain. But then Duffman stabs him in the back. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, does Radioactive Man have any kind of weakness like Kryptonite for Superman? Or is he just... Absolutely. Yeah. I say he does. 
Okay, well, in that case, and I think McBain will be uh, savvy because McBain always struck me as yeah, he's kind of an Arnold type, but I also kind of see him like a, a, a MacGyver, a John McClane type, where he's you know he's scrappy. He'll mm-hmm. put something together real quick and kick your butt in ways you you hadn't even imagined. He's very creative. I I mean I think yes, radioactive man in a straight up fight, but I think McBain could be. It depends how I want to ride it. That's really where it comes down yeah. to. But I mean, right? It like yeah. If we're going to just, I would react to me. It's a superhero. Uh, Lauren has a question. Our favorite, th- our favorite three episodes and our least favorite three episodes. And I think that means personally, not the, the best episode lever list, which is our kind of our. Uh, yeah. I t- mean, to be honest, a lot of mine, you know, matches up to that. Right. Frankly, I, I think there are a few differences, but I'll let you go first. Uh, Homer's enemy is my favorite. Although on some days. On some days, I I lean towards Bart Sells' soul as my second favorite. As my fa- really as my, interesting like, as my second favorite that broaches into my favorite. Like sometimes I go, man, Bart Sells' nice. Bart Sells' soul is really good, and I think like it does really interesting things with Bart. And I go, maybe it's better than Homer's Enemy. But then I think, oh, Homer's Enemy does such like Homer's Enemy is like a t- like a g- great television episode not even just a great simpsons episode but you know i think homer's enemy bart's house of soul mysterious voyage of homer like those are those are three i lean on i could say i could watch them at any point and they make me happy yeah like and i have some like yeah. ones i cherish you know like separate vocations um and and homer defined because they're like ones i've watched a lot since i was a kid so that i get like warm nostalgia feelings but um those are my three my least favorite it, for the longest time, it was uh, Salasaur Galactica my, was my Oof. by far my least favorite um, of ones we haven't done recently. Um, I forget the name of the episode where Marge gets breast implants, but I, oh, can, oh, I can tell you I'm not looking forward to it. It is going to be one. I think I as someone uh, a friend of the show, Brian, has pointed out to me that uh, me during the um, Alone again, natural diddly. I kind of turn into Frank Grimes a little bit, and I think that's what's going to happen again. I'm gonna, <laughs> I might rage out a little bit because I don't, rem- I don't even remember. Like what I remember of that is so awful that it, I just start like the thought of it makes me angry. Um, it, it's those types of, it, the Simpsons Safari is going to be one that's going to be terrible. It's going to be, I know it's going to be bad. Um. I, I don't know. Those are the ones that stand out in my head. It's the ones I really hate that we haven't done already because I clearly hate the ones like Missionary Impossible and Status or Galactica and uh, Kill the Alligator Run. They're all terrible. Matt, what's your three? Okay. Um, my three best are, are definitely going to be – they're all in our top ten. Uh, Summer of Four Foot Two. I love it. It is one of my favorite least episodes of all time because it just it really speaks to what it's like to be a kid and be trying to develop who you are, especially after you realize – who you currently are is not making you happy. Um, then after that, you only move twice for, I think reasons that we have heavily gone into here. Uh, and then Homer versus the 18th amendment. Like when I think of a really good Homer episode, that's what I think of because, uh, our Homer episodes above that is pretty much obviously you only move twice, but also the mysterious voyage of Homer and Homer's enemy. And, Homer's Enemy is obviously a deep metatextual study of what makes Homer funny and what makes The Simpsons good. Uh, the Mysterious Voyage of Homer is, again, it's it's a deep deconstruction of what makes Homer who he is and how he lives his life. And that's great. But when I want to laugh, 
it's Homer versus the 18th Amendment. It's just the character of Rex Banner is hilarious, and just the idea of Homer making booze in his basement and then bowling into Moe's is brilliant. And that that episode makes me laugh over and over and over again. Uh, when it comes to three worst episodes, uh, I'm very much with Robbie, although I'm not sure. I think the only episode that's coming up that I really hate um, uh, is the Africa episode. I think Simpsons Safari, uh, just because it's it's so mean for no particular reason and just ignorant in the worst possible ways. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's Missionary Impossible, which I have hated since the day I saw it. And when you dish upon a star because of it's just pandering laziness. And I, I could be forgetting ones that we haven't seen, but yeah, that, that's what I'm going with here. Our next question from Holly to me, Robbie, do you miss Canada? And if so, what specifically do you miss? Um, I miss parts of it. I miss, I mean, I don't miss the cold. It's, <laughs> it's December now and it is to, it, I, I've heard it's actually a relatively, uh, moderately cold winter in Edmonton, which still means it's colder than I've ever like anywhere else I've ever lived in my life. Cause I've lived in Florida and Texas and then in Canada in between. And Texas right now is perfect. It's like in the fifties. It's, it's, it's great. It's going to be, I, I know I'm going to miss Canada summers cause Edmonton summers are amazing. Canada summers are, you know, they're like, Hey, it's in the seventies and it's perfect for three months. Um, <laughs> I miss, I miss, I miss, hey, socialized healthcare. It's a good thing. Not having to worry about paying for the doctor if something's bad. Something bad happens, you just go to the doctor, you don't worry about it. That's, at least, worry about it a lot less than you, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, going bankrupt because you have uh, some health issue. So that's obviously very nice. Um, I miss proximity to hockey and hockey i that's the thing that i took away from canada i started watching hockey and i actually really enjoy it now i'm kind of i'm a big fan now of hockey and hockey's great man just give it a chance Mm -hmm. hockey's a great sport um i but i'm i've enjoyed it i enjoy watching it now and there's not much culture there's not you know not a lot less hockey culture there in in the u.s than there is in canada canada uh, canadians that is not a stereotype like canadians love <laughs> hockey they are obsessed with it and i you know it rubbed off on me and i have to i recently drove up to dallas to see a hockey game because that's the closest hockey team um i will say that hockey tickets are much less expensive uh in the u.s at least in dallas uh, in canada hockey tickets are very expensive because everyone loves hockey and wants to see it but that's those i mean i i'm i'm gonna like I am spoiled. I was spoiled. You are we are spoiled living in the U.S. and the access to our, to goods, like even in Canada, which is still incredibly privileged place for most people. You just have less things you can easily get within a short amount of time. I can't, you know, I I I, man, I can I can run down to the store here and get tamales, ready made tamales. Oh my god! Ooh. Um, but. It's not, it's just not as much, like, I can't get Fruity Pebbles in Canada. And it's like, it's just not home, you know? And that's really where it comes down to. And I don't, it was not, it was, it's not the worst place I've ever lived. It's, it's kind of in the middle. Um, I lived in South Florida. No, thank you. Pass on, hard pass (laughs) on South Florida. I'll take Edmonton winters over South Florida in general. Well, yeah, because at least in the wintertime in Edmonton, you're kind of stuck indoors, which is not so bad because you've got all your cool stuff. But South Florida's crazy every time you leave your house. So, you know. Um, we have another uh, – this is another uh, my favorite episode submission from Lauren. 
Um, hello, hello there, Mr. Robbie and Mr. Matt. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for not only doing this podcast, which is amazing, but also for allowing those of us who came in late the ability to be able to discuss our favorite episodes. I've thought about this often since I started listening to your podcast, and I believe I have a three-way tie for first place between Lisa on Ice, Bart's Soul, uh, Soul, and Cape, Cape Fear. I will not go into details with the other two, although I may have stupidly tried to eat paper when I was little because of Bartels' soul and found it a lot harder than you would think. So I'm going to focus on Cape Fear. Um, beginning of the episode, which involves Bart receiving the threatening letter that says I'm going to kill you, as well as the music of Flash and Sideshow Bob writing letters and filling out his to-do list with his own blood is magically done. Sets up the episode very well and within the first minute already has you on the edge of your seat. From the beginning to the end of this episode, the jokes are constant and fantastic, with such gems as Bob calling Bob calling out who's safe in the neighborhood, Homer not understanding his new name. I think he's talking to you. And Bob stepping on multiple rakes. One of my favorite parts is Bob underneath the car when they go through the cactus patch. Whoop, two against one. Although, wouldn't Homer realize that that baby Simpson cannot talk, so there's an extra voice? My full, ultimate favorite scene in Homer is Homer running in a Bart's room with a butcher knife. Hey, Bart, you want some brownie before you go to bed? And five <laughs> seconds later, with, hey, Bart, you want to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask? it's masterfully done with the butcher knife being seen moving menacingly in the doorway causing a feeling of danger and fear until homer runs in waving the knife i also enjoy the feeling of worry and sympathy the viewer develops for bart the fact that bart is animated is visibly scared and nancy carwright's vocal performance causes the viewer to be on edge throughout the whole episode additionally guest star kelsey Grammer is absolutely fantastic with his evil laugh his singing his low tenor voice and his ability to have a menacing tone to be honest i would buy the whole cd of him singing the full hms pinafore if it was available that would be really good actually yeah I remember this episode from my childhood and it has a lot of sentimental value as this is one of the few episodes I can clearly hear my family's laughter. I've lived away on my own for about eight years now. I don't see my siblings a lot, so it helps to make me feel closer to them. Additionally, it also speaks to me as a forensic scientist, which I like. This is this isn't a, a crime episode that was has you hanging around until the end, wondering if Sideshow Bob is actually going to get away with killing Bart. Episode is very well-rounded with Homer acting like a father, funny jokes, feelings of worry that any good crime show uh, invoke, and wonderful singing by Mr. Kelsey Grammer. This is definitely one of my favorite episodes. I apologize for how long this synopsis was, and I thank you again for the podcast. Yeah, it's no problem. That's what it's for. Well written. I agree. Pretty much on all notes. Cape Fear is great. Indeed. Uh, a question from Will. How often do you both listen to the Simpsons DVD commentaries, and what are your thoughts on them? Back when we were doing the good episodes, uh, I would pretty much listen to them uh after you know getting my clips and and writing the notes for these episodes i would go back and listen to the commentary now i have not been as much <laughs> yeah they're really they're re- like for the good episodes they're great i've i've listened to them many times you know i would i usually i would before before the podcast really i would watch the episodes all the way through and then i watch them all the way through again with the commentary tracks um and I, they were really good really good insight into the best television and like that's a thing that never existed until very recently i think we were kind of spoiled of the fact that now we can just get incredible insights into the creative process that never existed prior and i really like them i the few i have i've listened to some of the bad seasons the ones we're doing now and i can't stand them (laughs) they're insufferable uh because the Simpson they refuse to acknowledge that this is like it's not they just go oh yeah we stand by I'm like why why do you, you're allowed to say you're mad to say this is bad it's okay like anyone any creative person you're not gonna make all good things you're gonna make some stuff that's 
bad, some stuff that's good, some stuff that's in between. And all you can do is keep trying and try and make the best thing you ever did. And it feels – and the fact that they're not willing to say, oh, this is clearly bad. All they say, oh, the ratings are still good. The ratings still were fine. We're still getting – we're still pe- – people were still watching. And yet everyone openly acknowledges Zombie Simpsons. Everyone openly acknowledges the good years versus the latter years. Everyone. It's – it's everyone says it. And yet they never even confront that fact. They never even try they just go, oh, yeah, isn't it weird? Isn't this funny? This dumb thing? I'm like, it's not, you're not, I don't know, like, I, I, I refuse to believe that they lack the, lack the perception. Because I, these, generally the people who work, like, who are working on the show in the bad years are still incredibly smart people. And I really wish that they, someone who has worked on the show, like, I, I remember it's the, it's why I like um, the problem with the poo so much. Not not necessarily just because of a poo and all that stuff. It's because the show actually acknowledges the fact it like it. it hey, here's some criticism for the show. Like, there's so much, so many people like us fans who love, love, love the golden years of the show and will quote them endlessly, and still do even 20 years after the show has stopped being great, routinely great, and yet that we get nothing from anyone who works on the show about any of it. We never, no one in the show has ever said, no, there's no former showrunners. No one's willing to stick their neck out because they don't want to, they still have friends on the show. They don't want to make them feel bad, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to call a spade a spade. And they don't do that. The Golden Years commentaries are great. I can listen to them over and over and over again, just like I can watch the show over and over again. My favorite ones are the ones with Conan. Because Conan, that's true. I think his uh, the seasons that he was on the show were particularly good. And he's, maybe not because of him, it just happens to correlate. Yeah, and he's he's because of his personality. You get a little. It feels like you're kind of like those are the closest you're, we are ever going to get to being in the writing room. You know, like being in that writing room of for those years. So that's kind of yeah. it, it. Makes it reminds me of that. It makes me, it's kind of full. It feels kind of cool. Okay, Matt. This is a question for you from John. Let's say you pull a thorn out of the Pope's butt and he grants you one wish. What will it be? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know who Joey Heatherton is, so maybe a night with him so we can chat and be like, who the heck are you? Joey Joey Heatherton was a female supermodel, Matt. Oh. You dumb dumb. Not what I expect from someone. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You thought it was a dude. Okay. What was your – come on, Matt. Get one wish. One wish from the Pope. Um, I, I would like to hang out in the Vatican archives for a while. I would have to probably learn Latin first, but I mean, Matt, can you imagine what the Pope has access to? Matt, I think what? you know what? It's a supernatural wish. It can get anything. I can get anything? Yes. Well, then obvious. Uh, I'd like for me and my wife to live forever and be completely healthy. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't know if I want to live forever. <laughs> That's a long time. Everyone always says that. I can never figure out why. Of course I want to live forever. Eventually... Well, one, there will be the heat death of the universe, and I don't. And if, that's when I will die. Is when my atoms no, can no, 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 Matt, you won't. You live forever. You continue. I mean, you continue to exist in the nothing. It's just you and nothing else. Well, I'm pretty sure I would stop being able to think at that point. So you know, whatever. You'd be left alone with your thoughts. That's all there would be. There'd be nothing else. That sounds like I don't hell. mind that. I'm like that half that, the time. That I just go through like, all my memories. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. All right. Uh, our next question from David: What is the payment from losing the last season of trivia coming out? Well, let's see. Um, 
Matt and I will be drinking lawnmowers over the this holiday break, and I'll we'll be filming that. We're still figuring out the particulars. Oh, yeah, I yeah. am. I I will I apologize again because I am criminally late on my the previous season's payments. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's another question that we we'll be answering later that again addresses the trivia thing. But we'll be doing the lawnmower stuff this holiday. I'm gonna try and get those other seasons out. It's just I've been I've been busy with things that aren't painful to me, which is what those kind of are. And I don't. I've been putting them off, putting them off, putting them off, putting them off forever. <laughs> uh, he has enough pain in his life, guys. All right, he's a writer. Okay, it's every day. You're just like, should I do it today? Eh, I can't have this. I have these five other things I want to do. Um, our next question from Casey at Casey Masterpiece. It's a good Twitter. In your opinion, can an episode be good if it's only funny but doesn't have a legit plot or character arcs? Over time, I've grown to really like a lot of post-season nine episodes, despite their flaws. But it was just filled with tons of great comedy, even if an episode is "quote unquote" broken. I mean, I think it's true. I mean, Marge versus the Monorail. I'm pretty sure is an episode that has nothing but laughs, and is still a really good episode. I'm is that still in our top ten, or did it fall out? I'm pretty sure it's still number eleven. Up. Yeah, it's it's up there. Um, so it's close enough. I mean, yeah, anything up there is, is in great company. And I think, like, uh, the Manchin family, that's what that is. Manchin family is just solid mm-hmm. laughs. It's not, there's really not much plot to it or story or character. There's no character arc in it. It's just things happen. And I thought, I think we both thought it was very good. It's, I, I think, one, and then I think the problem is, like, it's not necessarily like, oh, The Simpsons stopped being funny after season nine. I think it's mostly The Simpsons. It's it's the Skull Ears that I we we've been very critical lately of the but it's the Skull Ears. They're just they are simple cartoon humor. And I think that's the we we talked about it in this past week's episode. It is simple cartoon humor. There's no there's no layers. There's no there's no complexity. And I think even like March versus the Monorail, like the simple those simple like physical gags and like writing that are just jokes are still really like meaty and have like layers of depth to them. And you're like, when, you know, when Homer in March was from Monroe goes, Batman's a scientist. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, no, it's funny. Like that's the thing It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's still routinely funny. And, but that, that one thing Homer says, Batman's a scientist is like it had that one little line has layers to it there's depth there because and you don't necessarily like see that you know on surface level you just go that's funny and you laugh but you laugh because one it surprises you because homer is like that's it's a very snappy response from from homer um but homer's right one because batman is a scientist and you know homer's first response to like needing help he goes i need bat get me batman are you batman and you're like, no, well, Batman's not real. But and Marge is like, no, he's a scientist. No, Batman's a scientist. And you're like, and this comeback from you know from Homer immediately is like, oh right, Batman is a scientist. Homer's not wrong. And Homer still is like, hey, wh- why can't I? I'm I, you know Homer in the moment is in a distressing situation. So a need for like this uh, a fictional superhero is kind of understandable. And I think that's like there, there's like these multiple layers of in, inflection and depth. Just a very st- simple, stupid thing, like Batman's a scientist. And I think episodes that might not have like a quote unquote plot can still be really funny, but or character arc really. I think I think I need episodes to have some sort of plot. I need an ending. 
which is like well yeah you, you still want a plot it just doesn't have to be a you know heartful plot kind of thing no it can just be a silly zany thing and that's fine but i need an ending like you're still telling a story you're still having like the characters go through a thing and it's telling us jokes along the way and that's the problem with some of these episodes that we are broken it's they're they don't have endings or they're like they're not i like i when you dish like i'm sure there's some people who think these episodes are funny they are not me and matt and like i'm not gonna apologize for that I think we're very clear about why and we don't like things. You know, if we don't like something, we I, I try and be very clear about it, about why. And there's obviously humor is incredibly subjective, but the, the the a plot isn't. Like if I see a beginning, a middle, and end, most people will like ninety nine percent of people will say yes, that plot exists and it's there. It's an easy thing to hang your hat on. And I don't know why the Simpsons abandoned that sometimes in season in the Scully years, and then even after. And now Genius still does that occasionally. I don't know why they abandon that because if you have the plot, a solid A B C goes beginning, middle, end, three act structure. As long as that's there, the episode can hang together, and it might not be as funny as you want it to be, but at least you know it's there, and you can hang. It, that's really after after you get that, it's about how well you can write jokes. And you can hang the jokes anywhere. You know, you can figure out a place to put them around the plot you have. So it's, it's. I'm not saying it's impossible to have a Simpsons episode that's funny without any semblance of plot or them where they abandon a plot altogether, which it's just really, really hard because the best Simpsons, like the Simpsons as constructed is all the best jokes are hung on the problems of the family and at the things they're going through. And when you abandon it, you're like you're walking on uh you're walking across a, a tightrope line with no safety net and one misstep you're done i mean i still think some of the, like i there's plenty of funny moments in some of the quote unquote broken episodes it's just i i need i me i'm not saying anybody listening everyone i think everyone's different i need something i need a plot it doesn't need to be heartful like matt said but something so Matt. Hmm. Another of my favorite episodes, Mission from Dominic. Ooh. This is uh from Dominic. So much choice wasn't my favorite episode the first time I saw it, and I didn't really start to appreciate it until I got the DVDs and started watching them on an endless loop. I now see it as a highly underrated episode that doesn't get the credit it deserves. I like the episode for a few different reasons, but as with all good things, it's more than the sum of its parts. The fourth season of The Simpsons is right on the cusp of the more realistic style of the early seasons and the increasing wackiness of the later seasons. And this episode expertly blends the two styles, the scenes with some are most heartfelt and, and genuine without being cliched, except, of course, when they are meant to be cliched. And the scenes with Homer provide just the right amount of comic relief without feeling disjointed. Problems faced by a single woman who want children are as real as now as they were then, and the problems faced by grown men who refuse to give up on a sandwich with mushrooms growing out of it are as ridiculous now as they were then. For the most part, the episode doesn't rely on references to pop culture and has a timeless quality up about, up because of it. Appreciate the episode shows a, a side of Homer and Selma's relationship that is not often seen. The Penelton scene where Homer, Selma asks Homer how he copes with his children shows two adults having a genuine discussion about a serious issue and grounds the show in reality. Homer taking Selma's hand is, is a little touch that makes a big difference to the scene. It shows that, despite what he may say at other times, he genuinely cares about her. The episode also has plenty of good gags to break up the sincerity. The clearly dangerous rides at Duff Gardens, the legend of the dog-faced woman, Selma trying, tying a cigarette into a knot with her tongue, and Homer's sandwich, there's a lot to like for people who aren't so invested in the show. 
almost all my other favorite episodes are what most Simpsons ep- Simpsons fans would call classics. Marjorie Samonreal, Kate Fear, Summer 4 Foot 2, etc. Some of those choice is my number one, though, and I'd encourage anyone to give it another look. Well said. Indeed. From Adam, a question, Matt. What do you think is the last official good episode of the classic Simpsons era? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm, let's see, classic, last official good episode of the classic era. Like, I think they're good episodes after the classic era is over. But I think, right. I think season nine is the last one. And I think, I don't know. It, it I, pro, I, I think, I think, I, I it's like a, a very trite thing to say, oh, the principal and the pauper is where they j- jumped the shark. Well, because, yeah, that's that's the last one in that season that was in the season uh, eight production run. Exactly. But I like I really do think City of New York for Homer Simpson, the one prior. To that. That's exactly the one I was. I was tempted to go Lisa Sachs uh, because that was written by Al Jean. And I think that's a pretty good one. Uh, but yeah, City of New York versus Homer Simpson feels like a season eight episode. Yes. And I, I I mean, I think Lisa Sachs is is it's just not quite there. I think it's close. I think it's a little it, I think it borders into the things because that is an Al Jean. Like Al Jean wrote that and he also was a showrunner for that episode. That wasn't a season eight. Like it wasn't it wasn't Scully years, but it was Al Jean, Mike, Mike Reese. And it feels closer to post classic years Al Jean than it does golden years Al Jean in that it borders on a little too much sentimentality. It's a little too much like cheesiness at times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's not bad. I think it is good, but I don't call I don't consider it classic year anymore. I think that is a post like and, the, and some people like, oh, they like to include season 10. Season 10 has some good episodes in it, it has Bart the Mother and uh, a few other good ones. But I it's not routinely good anymore. And I think City of New York for Summer Simpson is where I could stop relying on the show being routinely good. And yeah. I like, and it has nothing to do with Prince on the Pop. I think if Prince on the Popper was followed by more episodes that were like routinely good episodes, I think people would just see it as another weird episode. Like season eight had tons of weird episodes, and I th- I I love most of them. Some of them I like. Le- like I don't. I'm one of those people who don't like Springfield Files very much. I think it's good, but I don't think it's great. I don't love it like some people do, but. And I think Principal and Popper is as good as Springfield Files. They're both weird in different ways, and they're trying strange things, and that's fine. And I think if more good episodes, like, you know, like routinely good episodes follow Principal and the Popper, people wouldn't think about it too much. They would just go, oh, it was weird, and that thing about Armin Tamsarian, whatever. But because it's like this watermark for like, oh, everything after this is, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah, it's like it, it's at least a 50-50 chance of it being bad. When before that it was, you know, maybe a, a 2 in 10 chance of it being bad. And even then like bad in, in the golden years of the Simpsons is way better. It's more weird than bad. Yeah, it's yeah. more weird. It's just like a, a weird experiment or it's an episode where Rodney Dangerfield's in it for some reason. And you're like, "Oh, this is strange. I don't mind it." Um but I season 10 I will not include in golden years Simpsons anymore. No. It's it's firmly it goes into season nine and then starts petering out uh, from Steven. Would you consider replacing my favorite episode with my least favorite episode? Listeners could say why they hate a certain episode. <laughs> if it caused them to lose interest in the show, my submission, the computer wore menace shoes. The episode had promised, but that ending question mark. Um, I would, I, I, I'm really trying not to foster more negativity 
because we are spewing enough of it and it's i it's 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 the thing we're struggling with it's hard like i'm trying to keep the, we're trying to keep the show entertaining and not just be full of complaining and negativity but it's there's nothing else. It's season 11 and, and the Scully years are just miserable. They're full of like this, like our past week's episode is, is, is like was decent and that feels good. It's when we get to like just even half decent episodes that we go, who we can breathe again. But it's I when I, the show as I envision it from the very beginning is in depth. It is critical. It is it is analytical? It is, and when and when you're doing great episodes, you're like, oh man, that's a great part. I love that. I love this. Man, I love the nostalgia. I remember these episodes; they were great. But when we're doing that same kind of treatment to bad episodes, some people I think find it entertaining, and some people are like, it's very negative. And like, I know I'm trying to keep the show less negative and trying. Yeah, we're trying to find the best parts of you know bad stuff. It's just not easy. It's very difficult. But I'm I'm hopeful that after we get through the Scully years, it will be better you know i think we'll find more diamonds in the rough i think we'll find more episodes that we were that we are hazy on because we haven't seen them as many times and we'll go oh yeah this one's good al gene is back in charge and he you know as the as the show gets closer to the movie as we get closer to the movie in season 17 i think the show gets as matt alluded to earlier the show gets better and i think that's will be less negative but i don't want to replace my favorite episode with my least favorite it's just we are ne- we are so negative already and the reviews of the news group are negative <laughs> trying to like try and keep the balance of the show a little less a little positive it's hard um i understand though um and a, a similar question from from mike uh, alluding to similar things um uh as i'm struggling with episodes such as south or galactic and missionary possible I can't help but wonder something. Season 11 also coincided with the starting of another show on Fox that had a similar format, Family Guy. Notably, Family Guy had a lot more jokes and gags relative to The Simpsons, at least the earlier episodes of The Simpsons, at the expense of the story. Seems that Season 11 has started to go this route, and I started to make that connection. Though Season 11 has its fair share of bad episodes, I can't help but remember many of the jokes from some of the notably bad episodes, such as Take a Trip to the Glue Factory and The Horse Can't Come. I am hoping that you guys could possibly discuss how The Simpsons certainly had an effect on Family Guy, but also Family Guy had an effect on The Simpsons, as I think they all relate to one another and probably not for the better. Keep up the good work. I mean, didn't we mention that? There's two episodes I think we mentioned ago. a couple of times. We, yeah. we worry about that. Oh, the Family Guy came out and was very popular for its type of gags. And honestly, we worry about that, but it feels more along the lines of that once uh, Scully was in charge – it became more of a he really liked Looney Tunes kind of thing, and people want more of that because there's not a lot of Looney Tune style humor in Family Guy. It's there from time to time, the chicken fight, blah blah blah. Uh, but it's more uh, non secretors in Family Guy, just random jokes tossed in. That's not really what we're getting mad at the Simpsons for. And I don't really see that in the Simpsons that much. It's more along the lines of, you know, just random wackiness, the kind of things you'd see from you know Bugs Bunny and whatnot in the fifties and sixties. It's it's not so much the Family Guy jokes. I mean, I think. The Simpsons certainly influenced Family Guy. Uh, it's impossible, and like I think, oh yeah, that I mean, they steal so much. Like they, they that there is that Family Guy clip where uh, Peter is drunk and he's like, "We really did steal a lot from the Simpsons," and like, yeah, yeah you you did absolutely. Uh, what they did was make it filthier, make it faster. They they made it less plot oriented. They also made it meaner, which is mainly. It's really my main problem with Family Guy. Is Family Guy I think has is very clever writing and is like it is that like streamlined it's like 
the Simpsons, but in a Ferrari, but it's also a mean Ferrari and it's, it's mean to its own characters a lot of the time because it doesn't treat them like real people, you know? And I think that is the one thing. I don't know if there's osmosis there, if the Simpsons saw family guy or they saw South park even, which South park is also also obviously owes a lot to the Simpsons and they themselves have, you know, the Simpsons did it episode, I think is really smart because it's like, yeah, we, had you know i think the south park at a point adapted and they went their own way they like were definitely not the simpsons even adjacent anymore family guy never really did family guy just became more of the thing it was which is non sequiturs and weird cutaway gags but it it has a thread of meanness in it and i think that an edginess and south park certainly has a lot of edginess and i think i would attribute the simpsons changing to be a little bit more meaner a little bit try, i don't know trying to be a little filthier especially this season man there's like a lot of several things where like how did that get past the censors on fox yeah and i think that's they they more i think i don't know if family got a direct effect family guy was still relatively new at this point but south park had existed for a few years now and i don't know if that just saw that becoming very popular and they're like let's try and make the show a little dirtier i don't know i i don't i don't want that in my simpsons uh i think the simpsons aren't we're never structured to work like Family Guy was, or like South Park, for that matter. And I think if Simpsons took that lesson, they took that's the wrong lesson to take. I, if any, and any, like, this is like general advice for like art in general, creative work in general. In like, and it's like, it's a thing I think about with our podcast, honestly, because we, before we started the Simpsons podcast, there was a couple of Simpsons podcasts and they were doing their own thing and they weren't doing what I wanted out of a out of a Simpsons podcast. So I started making my own and then more and more Simpsons podcasts started. There's, there's a, like how many Simpsons podcasts are on a 20, 25, 30, maybe more than that. I don't keep up with all of them. Um, but when you're faced with something that is challenging you, you're like, Hey, this is, we're going to be doing a similar thing. We're probably going to do something different. We're going to have different personalities, uh, different tweaks on your method, doing whatever you're doing. We're talking about the same thing at the end of the day, though. We're talking about the Simpsons. You don't try and adapt to them you don't say oh i like what they're doing i that that thing is working with them i'm gonna do it too you don't do that you focus on your show you try and make your thing more more of itself you know if that makes sense you try and imbue it with more of what it already had and if the simpsons in seasons 10 11 and the skull years and past that saw the success of South Park and Family Guy and went, people like that, we should include that in the show. That's the wrong decision. They should focus more on trying to make themselves the most Simpsons they can. Try and double, you double down on what makes the show so unique in the first place. You don't try and move in on other shows' territories. You do the thing you do. And you do it, try and make it better than you can, you did before. Just adapt, make it the best version of itself. You don't try and adapt into South Park because you're not going to be able to out South Park, South Park. You're not going to out family guy, family guy. It's true. It's one of those things where companies always try and get in on the latest fad and that just never really works. It's just be who you are. And I don't want to say be satisfied with the fans that you have, but you know, I mean, you either are or you're not, you know, like if, if people don't like the thing, like that's the thing, like people talk about season, the post you know, the post-classic year Simpsons is like, why didn't they quit? Well, it's because the ratings never went down appreciably. You know, they went down with kind of the decline of television ratings in general. Um, so it's, it, they're not, the money is there. 
the certainly critical claim disappeared, but that was not enough. Like it, I, I think if you're chasing whatever you're chasing, it's not going to be enough to keep you going. Then you can just stop. It's okay to stop. I think that's what most of us were like. The Simpsons could have just stopped, and it would have been totally fine. It would have been just the arc of a normal television show. You know, it's really good. Long-running television shows are. It's a little rough, maybe. Then it's really good and great and great and great and great, and then it starts declining, and then it's kind of bad in the end. And then it ends. Then it's done. But the Simpsons never did that. <laughs> they just kept going. But I think I think about Family Guy a lot. Uh, when I think we talked. We I brought up Family Guy in particular in. Kill the alligator and run, I think. And I think that's... There's comparisons all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, this question from John. Uh, I wanted to ask where you both are... Where are you both based? And how much does this distance impact on your friendship and running the podcast? Also, this may have already been asked, but what is the consequence of the trivia challenge this season? I'm sure the listeners can help if, out if need be. Um, I'm in Austin, Texas. Now. <laughs> now. Now I'm in Austin, Texas. I was... We I've done the podcast. I've lived in South Florida. I've lived in Orlando, Florida. I've lived in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and now in Austin, Texas. Matt has stayed in Orlando the entire time because he's a sane person. And, well, yeah, and uh, doesn't impact running the podcast very much. It really doesn't. Um, we actually don't like doing the podcast face to face. It makes the audio more complicated. Both of them have USB mics, and that's far more difficult than if we had like an actual mixer and XLR mics and sort of thing. But, uh, you know, we're cheap, so we like doing it this way. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's cheap and simple and it works pretty well. Um, I'm unless it, like if we lived in the same place and I think if I'd stayed in Orlando, we'd stayed in Orlando, me and my wife the entire time, I would have a podcast studio by this point. I, we would have probably bought a house and we probably would have, I would have made a room, a, a, a podcast studio of sorts with real mics, with a, a preamp, with a, the full setup and we could do it face-to-face with like a television playing the episode as we go or or playing clips like live there's no delay in our our talking but with a cheap and easy setup it's actually quite easier just to do it in a separate separate places over skype you know it's not it's sometimes ugly but i can usually edit around that stuff um the friendship is different um i obviously would love to still be in orlando because then me and matt could probably play uh tabletop rpgs together um I'd probably also more board games and more board games. We, I'd probably be running a D and D campaign, or Matt would. One of us would be running a game at this point. I'm sure for our for our wives and us to play. Um, but you know, can't always get what you want. It's true. The internet is great for a lot of things, but some things just uh, don't work as well over the internet. Yeah. Um, got a uh, uh, my favorite episode submission. Oh wait, the other question. For you to answer the other question, the consequence of the trivia challenge for this season. Um, we haven't decided on one yet. Um, I, I know there's the, the thought of the, what milk duds with butter or cheese, whichever it was. Oh God. Uh, butter is definitely butter. But it was butter. Um, you know, there's that. I, I, I was kind of, I was thinking about being slightly merciful to Matt. Um, and it's, it's true. It's true. Food based challenges in me do not mix. Well, I was going to say, Matt, we could have a food based challenge, but what you'd have to do is eat. You know that cake that Marge makes for Homer that just has random letters on it? <laughs> McGaggy's birthday, of course. McGaggy's birthday. You just eat you have to eat the entire cake in one sitting. Ooh, that would be tough, but I think I could do that. It was for the podcast. I mean, cake is much prefer would you rather do the sixty four cheese slices of American cheese challenge? God, no, I, do that. I I'm really glad I I won that season. Oof. Yeah, and that's the other thing I was gonna I was gonna bring it up earlier, but I figured I'd wait till here. I 
I don't know how much longer. I, like I do, I like the trivia challenge between Matt and I. That's fun. I think trivia is kind of a a hallmark of Simpsons fandom. I don't know how much longer we're going to be doing like ch- like punitive ch- damage to the person who loses <laughs> because it is. I don't. I I have done all of them but one now, and also it's really tiring and when the show is bad it's also it's just worse when you have to face something terrible at the end of each season and i know it's fun for you guys probably out there to like see it coming but it's it's a lot of work to get it together and do it and get it filmed hence me procrastinating on on a few of them already and i don't know i I might just make it a charity challenge where at the end of the season whoever loses has to donate to a charity of the winner's choice and that, that and also gets to pick the next season's uh, theme because I, I like having themes for the trivia. Uh, I, I know we've been doing, you know, oh, it has to be from an episode that we've done kind of thing. But uh, I think we can maybe shrink that down a little more. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. We're going to we're the show is going to change to adapt to what we need from it, basically. And I like the trivia. I like the challenge of it. I don't like the fact that we're basically torturing another person at the end of the season, especially when it's me and I've done it so many times and I'm just getting really tired of it. Um, I would say like, I, I'm, I think the charity idea is very good and I think it could help also help, you know, listeners could, if they want to, they could also donate to the same charity as kind of a gesture of goodwill in the same, in the vein with the show. But that's, we'll worry about that next season. I think this season is probably going to be the last one with a true punishment. Uh, like, I don't, I don't want to having to come up with them every season is difficult. I know the fans have plenty of ideas. It's not really that. It's more of the. It's a. It's it's kind of it's hard work doing this podcast every single week, and having to face a horrible thing at the end is just more <laughs> hard work. And after like eight seasons of it, it's kind of tiring. Um, I'm, you know. I we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll play it as it as it goes. We'll figure it out. But it's probably I think I'm the the cake thing is I think a, at least a happy medium in that at least it tastes good primarily. You know I think probably and I'm a glutton to begin with. So yeah, you know. Matt just doesn't eat and just doesn't eat breakfast that day or doesn't eat lunch that day and just eats a cake for dinner. He has it in him. I, I know that. he I know he has it in him. It's not like that's a big cake either. I think it's just like a regular you know circle two layer cake. Right. That's not that much. Um, we have a, our, I think this is our last, my favorite episode submission. Um, this is from Mitch. Uh, good day, Robbie and Matt. I love the pod and your dedication to it. Been listening for years. It's devastating when my submission for my favorite episode got lost in the ether. Glad to hear you're taking them for the next holiday episode. Uh, season five, 11th episode is my all-time favorite. Is ranked criminally low on your list. Home of the Vigilante is Schwarzwelder at his most Schwarzweldian. It has everything. A quality guest star in Sam Neill. Not playing himself. I hate when they do that. Fun parody moments, the Skinner slash Homer Dragnet exchange, the Doctor Strange love bomb ride, don't ride the bomb, and the mad, 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 mad world, town-wide treasure hunt. As an Australian, it also reminds me to laugh at America's constant portrayal as a bunch of God-loving, gun-toting, paranoid preppers reading, <laughs> reading, themselves to, uh, reading themselves to step in as soon as law enforcement fails them, even if a few too many of those people actually do exist. And Kent Brockman's When Cat Burglaries Start, Can Mass Murder Be Far Behind? And would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Our great cracks at alarm, not, but you know, our great cracks at alarmist media that almost hit too close to home to laugh at in 2018. The opening scene through the uh, 
uh, first person perspective of the cat burglar is a fun, unique way to start the episode. Get you right in the main story from the very start. Almost all of Springfield's best characters get some decent screen time. Cram so many great jokes into a solid story. It doesn't mess too heavily with Springfield's canon. It is endlessly quotable. The classic line every few seconds. Curse you magic beans. Never stop in the middle of a hoedown. The real humans won't burn quite so fast. Can you swing a stack of doorknobs? I'd be lying if I said my men weren't committing crimes. I wasn't asleep. I was drunk. And of course, dig up, stupid. The scenes where Homer is handling out secret vigilante codenames and when the gang are all handling or rather mishandling guns while Homer tries to explain how responsible they are make me laugh out loud every time. Pulling out my season five DVDs right now to watch twice, once with the director's commentary, then I'll have to push people around and make myself feel big. Great submission. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Homer the vigilante is great. Um, And let's see. These are from questions. A few questions from Shams. His request, please do this in a dull voice. Robbie and Matt, your podcast seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know about the momentum of a runaway freight train. I think we are consistent. I mean, if you want me to be serious, we re release every single week. We don't skip weeks. We, uh, we can try and be consistent with the show and its tone. We try and vary up the segments between all that. Um, we, Stay true to what we think our show is. That's it. It's not too complicated. That's true. All we need is a little bit of snark and consistency. Yeah. And people, I don't know. I don't know if this is actually a question you're asking, but if you want to know why certain podcasts are popular, they fulfill a very certain niche. Uh, they know what their show is and try and just adhere to that. And they are consistent on a very strict schedule. And that's, we try and do our best for that. Uh, number two. If you could ask Vince McMahon one question, what would it be? For the sake of this question, he's taken a truth serum and can't kayfabe you. <laughs> I appreciate you use the word kayfabe. Um, I assume Matt does. Matt, do you have any questions? you have a question for Vince McMahon? I don't actually. Okay. I'm not surprised by that. My, I thought I saw this question earlier and I thought about it. And I think my one question, knowing Vince McMahon is, has to tell the truth. I would ask him, honestly, I would ask him what his overriding life principles are, because I think that answers every question. Yeah. Because it's, he has built up, there's so much mystique around Vince McMahon as a person, because that he played the character of Vince McMahon on television, still does, I think he was going to be on tonight. As the time of this recording, he's going to be on Raw tonight because the ratings are really low. And um, that persona has kind of taken the place of him, and no one knows who, what's real and what's not. And that's kind of helps the mystique, and, you know, he's a billionaire now and all that. But there's so many questions about how the WWE – you know, WWE has been wrestling for since WCW stopped uh, – since they bought WCW. And, you know, there's been lots of challengers, and, you know, the, right now there's more upstarts than ever – and I think, you know, I re I don't really watch WWE regularly. I kind of follow it at a glance at a distance. I don't subscribe to the network. I watch New Japan and Ring of Honor to a certain extent um, and some indies here and there. I don't watch WWE anymore because it's not what I want. It's not for me, you know, and I don't know I, I if I ask Vince McMahon, you know, what what are the principles that drive your life? I think that would answer any of my other questions. Like, what, like why do you pick the wrestlers you pick to be the stars of your show, you know? You know, why, 
why do you structure the show the way it does? Why how, why is this the way you write super you you write your heroes and your villains? Like I those questions I think would be answered by that first question. Um, and his his final question: uh, Do you think they'll ever square away the open questions like what happened uh, in the in the Simpsons? Like what happened to Homer's B Sharp's money before the series ends? No. <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of thing they might do as a one-off gag that they probably wouldn't consider completely canonical, but probably not. Maybe if when the show finally does end, they will have like a long minute long gag or something where they just – whatever the writers can think of as unop- unanswered questions about things that happened on the show, they would just have Homer spew them all out in quick succession. Like the time he was one of those like live questions things with Dan Castellaneta or like when he listed all those jobs he had, you know, there, I forget which episode that was where he was like, I've been an astronaut and blah, blah, blah. you know, he, and it went for like a minute and a half of Homer just listing yeah. every job Homer's had. And I think that's, it would be like, just like, Hey, we're ending the show. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> we can say whatever we want. So I think that's what I would, I would imagine, but I doubt they, they just don't care. Like, I think, they don't they want us to forget about that stuff if anything um but Shams finishes his message thanks for your time love the show i hope you and all your listeners have a merry christmas a happy hanukkah a quasi kwanzaa a tip-top tet and a solemn dignified ramadan and i agree i think that's as our last question i think it's a good thing a good note to go out on um before we go i do want to thank you all for listening we do really appreciate every single person who listens to a show it astounds me sometimes that we still have the listeners we do um we appreciate you we appreciate all our patient patrons who who help pay for our hosting and help you know help us keep the show going um and everyone have a happy holiday so when you, you hope this episode finds you in a good place and if it doesn't i hope it gets better it's true we hope this uh, you listen to this episode uh when you're bored and uh, you know your family's being annoying you just come in and listen to us and it'll make you happy i hope so i think they'll do it for us today i'm robbie and i'm matt and keep watching the Simpsons. Shh.